You are listening to the weekly sermon from Elevation Community Church in Blanchester, Ohio. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Phil Nelson. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit myelevationcc.org. Can I just ask you to just extend your hands to heaven? This may be the first time you've ever done this and it feels uncomfortable. Just know that's okay. But God is looking for a people who want only him, who aren't satisfied with the ways of this world, the ways of religion. God is done with religion, everybody. And he wants his people for himself, purified, empty vessels that he can fill with himself, where he can shine his light so brightly here in Blanchester that people can't help but see the light of the risen Savior Christ because people have resurrected themselves in Jesus Christ by dying to their life as they know it. Friends, the only way we are going to be able to experience the rattling of dry bones is that we give our dead bones to the Lord, to bring to life, infused together with his spirit. And so just ask him in your own way, just ask him, Holy Spirit, bring me to life. Bring me to life, God. Bring me to life in a way that I haven't seen before. Open my eyes, open my mind, align my emotions and my will to you, oh God. I surrender to you. I die to my life as I know it, and I resurrect my life through the power of the Holy Spirit and what you have done, Jesus. Bring us to life. May it not be just a song that we sing and we get excited about and we shout, but may it literally happen in our lives. May it happen in this church. Bring us alive. Let things that have been dead begin to rattle to life. I speak broken dreams broken dreams and visions and callings that have been stripped from you and ripped from you, I call those to life. They're gonna begin to rattle again. Things that you always thought God would give you and it was just robbed from you. I pray that you would restore God dreams and visions, restore joy. May joy start to bubble up and over people, God. Joy of your presence. And I pray for a hunger and a thirst to rise up within us, God, like no other. We pray all of this and we expect great things today as you teach us through your word and the power of the Holy Spirit. We all said, amen. Amen, you may be seated, watch this video. Yeah, multiple, you know, just the Lord's touching them. The Lord's, um, literally we have before and after pictures which I'll share with you guys, uh, medical verifications of miracles. Uh, blind You're talking eye. thousands, right? Not hundreds, thousands. Yeah, dozens and, and, and then hundreds, no, thousands of miracles. We, we watched it last night as we baptized over 140 people uh, well past midnight last night. Because I'm sure there's questions, especially for people who haven't experienced uh, what's happening in North Georgia. But let's be honest, it's happening all over right now. God is meeting with people in the water. And uh, uh, what, why baptisms? Like, what's going on? You know, you know, I was raised Baptist, so I understand baptism. Baptism, as we all know, 
is like putting on the wedding ring. When you become born again, you get into the water and you and you publicly say, hey, I'm now a follower of Jesus. That's the initial new birth baptism. This baptism that, that the Lord is, is introducing to his church now has nothing to do with that. It's not a nullification or a voiding out of your prior baptism saying, oh, that one was insufficient. Now I need to be baptized again. I feel that this is a place of cleansing and washing, of purification, a place of, of literally coming into the water and dying. Okay, it's an extension of the altar. That's what I'm telling people. That just so happens that we we've moved, not moved the altar, but there is an extension of the altar in the baptismal waters. There's a humility involved in this. There is a, a, a contemplating. Okay, I'm not just going down for a five second prayer to have someone pray with me. No, I'm going to sit in line for a little bit, and I'm going to step into a watery grave, and then when I get into that water, I am saying, Jesus, I yield everything. And I need you to come and take this away from me as I give it to you. And I want to be empowered by your Holy Spirit. So this is a baptism of cleansing. It's a baptism of power. It's a baptism of healing. And, and so that's how we approach it. This is not anything that nullifies your first baptism. It's just an extension of the altar. That's it. And, and people seem to be okay with that. It's, is it biblical? Absolutely. And I'll explain that to you guys at a deeper level when I get there, but it is 100% biblical. And um, people are coming up out of that water free, set free, completely from top of their heads, to the bottoms of their feet. Walking, yeah, walking in liberation, just totally changed mentally, being able to sleep at night. Many folks are telling me I've not been able to sleep without sleeping pills. But when I got baptized and Jesus touched me in that water, I've not had another pill. I've been sleeping for seven hours a night and peace has come upon me. So, so this is really exciting. So I want you guys to really embrace the fact that these waters, again, are not nullifying anything, but just it's a point of activation. It's a point of dying, literally, and meeting him in a precious way. One week away tomorrow. It's going to be awesome. I really hope uh, this may be the first time, if you're watching online or, or you're here uh, for your first time, this may be the first time hearing about this and you're wondering, what the heck is going on? God's going on. And so we don't understand everything. And, uh, you know, when God moves and decides to move, he moves. And uh, he's just looking for a place that people are surrendered, want to, want to grow in him, hungry and thirsty for what he has. Um, and, uh, we're, we're honestly, I'm just truly humbled. Uh, man, I can't even shake this morning's worship, uh, which is a good thing because we're still worshiping in the word. And, um, I just want to kind of clarify a couple things, uh, give some background history. Uh, this is not something, um, that Elevation Community Church has developed. This is something we partnered with. This is called the Kingdom Gathering Movement, and it has been, um, basically received about uh, almost a year ago, uh, several pastors from the Cincinnati and Indiana area uh, was not content with the state of the church. We just felt like God was saying, my church is asleep. Um, they're all over the world, evangelists, prophets, leaders in the Christian movement have been speaking this for about a year, if not longer, that it's time to wake up, our time is short. 
and God has given us a window of opportunity and we're gonna start seeing more fulfillments of scripture of how the Holy Spirit wants to bring revival. Revival is simply this, it is not a tent gathering. It's not where you go and you seek out your sinful neighbors and relatives and get them in the building. Now, believe me, if you have unbelieving family members and you have sick family members, people who are really sick and uh, fighting depression and, and whatever it is, they're just, uh, they're helpless, they're out of options, get them here. <laughs> Absolutely get them here. But this revival is not an event. Revival is a spiritual renewal or a fanning of a flame that is already lit, no matter how dimly lit it is. Revival is when God says, I need to wake up my people and fan my spirit. They need life. Have you ever been part of a church service where there's just not a peep? No one's moving, hands are in pockets, and it looks like, honestly, I start to yawn when I'm in a place like that, right? Uh, God's done with that. Now, I'm not talking about a service full of extroverts. I'm talking about a service full of people who are hungry for a move of God, who want nothing else but to seek his face and his face alone, who are going to be torchbearers for the kingdom of God in this dark time. And that's what this kingdom movement is all about. Uh, if you go to the website, the registration site, you're gonna see that there are, are more kingdom gatherings that week. It's because it's the pastors of the different uh, ministries that are a part of this are having the same kind of gathering and baptisms at their place. So Monday night's gonna be right here from 6.30. 30's gonna start baptisms. If you have questions about that, hold on. Next week, we're gonna do one more video and I'll do one more pitch to kind of give you... Uh, give you some information. But let me just say, remind me, Mandy, because I, I, I'm rabbit trailing today, but remind me about the uh, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday uh, gatherings. Um, many of us through life, when we have questions about God and we have questions about what God's doing, we have questions just in life. Have you ever had a new job? Have you ever started something new? It takes some time to get to know it, to learn it, to get acclimated, but it also takes time to actually experience it, to experience the work environment, experience the job, experience the activity, experience the structure and what God wants. This, you may not have all your questions answered and that's okay. Come with questions, ask, seek God. But come, bring a change of clothes. Who knows, you may, may really sense the Holy Spirit leading you to get baptized. I will say this about baptism. I know it's weird. Well, I'm already a, a believer. I've been baptized. Do I have to get baptized again? What's, he kind of touched on that. But we have no problem with people who are coming in their life saying, I got baptized as a kid or I got baptized five years ago and I just haven't been living the life that I know God has been leading me to live and I know that he's calling me back and something's rattling inside of me and I need to just dedicate my life and receive what God is doing and I'm getting the waters. We celebrate that. We get excited. It's the same thing. If you're hungry for God, if you're not satisfied with the way you've been living and the way that you're seeing things come and you know that God has put his spirit in you for a purpose and he wants to do way more in your life than you're giving him access, then come August 2nd. August 3rd, starts VBS, so a lot of us are gonna be here. But if you can't make it Monday, go to Dayton. It will be in Dayton at that church there. And uh, it, 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 all the information's on the website. And then on Wednesday, it's gonna be in Indiana. And on Thursday, it's gonna be at Sozo Church in Loveland. 
So if you come on Monday night and you want more of what's going on, maybe you didn't get time to get in the waters or minister, or maybe you're trying to figure this all out, you can register. It's a separate registration because it's each church doing their, their thing under the umbrella of the kingdom gathering. We at Elevation Community Church, we have had the reputation of not charging for any events that we have done for ministry inside the sanctuary. Revival, gatherings, different things like that, even concerts bringing big names out, we haven't charged. This is a charge because it's an outside event. We do men's retreats, we do women's retreats, and we we have a registration fee for that. Um, I looked at the budget of the Kingdom Gathering because I was really wanting to know, okay, where's all this money going to? This... The registration fee for each event doesn't even cover all the costs that it takes to put an event like this together. So each event, they even do uh, have an opportunity for an offering. So just so you know that uh, registration is just a minimal thing to cover some of the costs of making all of this happen. Plus, we also want to sow seed into the future because if we just say we're just going to have Revival Monday, August 2nd, and that's good for us for the rest of 2021 and 22, then we're missing out. And so we want to sow seeds into this revival gathering movement. And revival doesn't have to be a movement. It is a present state of seeking the face of God. It's not an event. It's what people do to respond and to seek God. So that's that for all of that. Did I cover everything on that? Good. For those of you who have been here, I I did it last week, but I want to do it again because honestly, this is so encouraging to us. This is a confirmation of what God has revealed to us five or six years ago about what he wants to do in this church and throughout. I have been praying that God would bring people who are hungry for revival, who are coming from other places in life and other churches, and they are just discontent with the way we are all doing church. And just in the last six months, we have seen a wave of new people. I want you to know you are an answer to my prayer, not to have more people in our church, but to have an army that God is building for this revival that he is doing. God is on the move. And if churches don't wake up, they are gonna stay asleep and they're gonna crumble underneath the weight of where our world is going. And by the way, don't be surprised. The world is going to go that way and it's gonna get darker and darker. Do you know that our time is short, friends? I'm serious, the time is short. You look at all the prophecies in the Old Testament, all the prophecies, all of them. How many do you think are left to be fulfilled before Jesus returns? Very, very few. Everything in scripture has been fulfilled, but a very few. And we're gonna, we're gonna see it. We may not be able to reach that point in, our, in the message. Um, there's a lot to cover today, but in Acts 2, Peter reiterates the prophet of Joel. And this is one of the very last prophets before, uh, prophecies before we begin to see the end of the end times. The last days were instituted by the church of Jesus Christ when Jesus ascended into the heaven and he poured out his spirit upon his people and his church. By the way, we are still his people. We are still his church. His Holy Spirit is still with us, in us, and he wants to fill us and overflow and he wants us to get out there and start making a difference for his kingdom. I feel the anointing to preach the word today. 
And I usually don't say that, but I do. I feel like the Holy Spirit is trying to grab some of you and say, wake up! (laughs) It's coming, not in fear. Don't be afraid of the coming. I would be afraid if you're not ready. But for those of you who have been called by his name and you have been forgiven by the blood of Jesus and you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, it's time to wake up. It's time to rise up and see the kingdom of God be fulfilled as we see in Scripture. So going back to the answer of prayer, all these new people, if you've been attending just recently since the last six months, would you raise your hand in the last six months? Look all over the place. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And I say thank you for obeying the call to be where God's presence is. And I'm not saying our church has God's presence and the one down the street doesn't. I'm not saying that. Everyone who seeks the face of God will find him. There are connect cards in the front flap in front of you. We haven't done this in a while since COVID, but can everyone who has a connect card in front of them pull it out? Please, everybody, even, even if you've been here 10 years, pull it out, wave it up, let's, let's see them. Okay, now if you have been here for a while and you know that you're connected, uh, go ahead and put that back. If you still have that card, we want to hear from you. And this is all that we're gonna do. Number one, it's very, very little information that you have to fill out. If you want to put on there, uh, we, we, we didn't have room, but if you want to put on there how you heard, excuse me, heard about us or how you came, we'd love to hear that story because God is leading people here and it's so exciting to see uh, him answer um, what he has laid on our hearts several years ago. Um, and then what you need to do is take it back to the welcome kiosk, welcome center after church. In the benediction, I will remind you, Lord willing. Uh, but what we will do is we will, we will text you uh, one time and let you know that we, we got your Connect card and uh, we'll, you'll get a welcome email. And then you will be put on our ECC weekly email list. If you don't want that, all you have to do is unsubscribe unsubscribe to it and we'll never know. So we won't judge you and be offended. So um, I'm kidding. Um, But we would love to get you guys in the database and get communication with you. There is a lot. If you've been here the last six months, um, you probably don't know the background and everything that God is doing, but there are so many shifts that God is bringing within this church, within the Christian culture. And we are just trying to stay obedient, but there's going to be a lot of communication coming up in the next couple months. Uh, and uh, you don't want to miss out on that. So that's the last thing I'll say about connect cards. Also, prayer night. In light of the kingdom gathering in uh, one week from tomorrow, we want to call our whole church. If you have Wednesday night free, I understand there's sports. I understand that there's job commitments and different organizations you're involved in. I get it. But if you can prioritize one hour this next Wednesday, we're really asking our church body to show up in numbers, to pray and seek his face on behalf of this event, but also on behalf of what God is doing. I'm really asking you to challenge yourself to be here. It's so important to seek God's face because this event on August 2nd, will absolutely be empty and void and useless if the spirit of God isn't present. And all of us are busy. All of us are scattered and distracted and need to press in to God. And so whatever you need to do to make that happen, and if you can't make that happen, find an hour this week where you can go dark. You can strip away all distractions and we can pray. If you are volunteering, 
for the Monday night event, there is a mandatory meeting at seven o'clock on Wednesday. If you're not able to meet that, make, uh, be there, make sure you let us know because it's very important that you get the information that we're covering. Okay, God, just, uh, wow, don't, don't stop doing what you're doing. We yield our hearts to you. We stay still and we say, come Lord Jesus, take all of us, break apart all of our preconceived notions of you, Holy Spirit, all of the doctrinal, denominational teachings and trainings that we just need to let go of and pursue you. We do that right now. Bless, God bless our kids in the service today. Bless them. I know it's so difficult listening to a boring guy like myself, but God, I pray that they wouldn't hear me. I pray they'd hear you and pick something out of it that they can take home and really start to ask questions. Lead our kids, God, to a relationship with you. May they see Jesus in mom and dad. May they see Jesus in grandma and grandpa. And may they want that same Jesus for their own lives. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. There's a little boy, and when I read this story, I thought of me because... Um, I can remember doing something similar. Uh, I remember when I was four years old, I have a picture that uh, I hold very dear. And it's a picture of me sitting in my dad's recliner with a Bible open. An old Bible was my grandpa's Bible or grandma's Bible, excuse me. And I had my hand on the Bible and I had my hand in the air and I was singing hallelujah and amazing grace before I could form sentences of my own. I was singing, I'll fly away. When the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And I just remember that. I remember God just doing a work in me at four years old. Parents, don't lose hope. You ask the Holy Spirit to move in your kid, he will. Just give it time and then model it. Show them. But anyways, I'm getting off the story. This boy had this old, old Bible and he started opening it and the pages you could tell were read and read and reread and reread and, and just beautiful to see the, the, the war uh, and tear on this Bible through someone being in it. And he's going through the pages and he's just fascinated at God's word. And then all of a sudden he opens a page and there's this big, big leaf looks hundreds of years old because it's flattened, it's dry, it's been pressed. And he pulls it out and his eyes get so big. And he goes, mom, mom, you won't believe it. Look what I found in the Bible. And she comes out like any good mother and says, wow, son, what is it you have there? And he says, I think it's Adam's suit. I'll, I'll, I'll wait. I'll wait for a minute till you get it. We'll get a wave. Of... The moral of the story is you don't know what you don't know. He had no clue, so he made the best conclusion as a child. And we love listening to children. You remember some of those shows, and I think there's another one show where they, they interview young people, young kids, and stuff like that. And it's the craziest things that they say. And they say really stupid stuff, and everyone goes, oh, that's so cute. And then someone else says it that's like 42 years old, and they're like, are you serious? 
But guys, I need to be honest with you. This is what the church in America has done. And I say America because other churches, especially in China and Africa, they get the Holy Spirit. They get it. It's like when they die and come to Christ, their life is literally transformed. And in America, we have so many blessings that cause us distractions that we just get a little bit of Jesus. And we put them on the shelf and we're just okay with what the teacher or the preacher has for the morning. And then we just listen to 93 Star throughout the week. I love 93.3, by the way, not knocking that. Don't twist my words, people. (laughs) But I really believe that the church is very ignorant in the knowledge of the Holy Spirit. We don't know what we don't know, and we're okay with that. Well, we shouldn't be. Because if we want everything that God has for us, we should be like a kid looking into an ice cream shop, looking at all the flavors, trying to figure out what one we want for today. The Holy Spirit has been discounted, been misused, has been abused, has been misrepresented, miscommunicated, pushed out, put on a shelf. We say, well, the Holy Spirit was for them for that day, but not for us today. Well, I'm sorry, I don't know how you're living your Christian life then, (laughs) because you can't live it in your own strength. So whose strength are you living it in? You wanna know more of the word of God? Many of you say, I just can't understand it. Well, it's because the Holy Spirit's not revealing it to you. Or he's revealing it to you and you won't open your ears and you won't seek him. This isn't in my message, so I need to keep going. But we don't know what we don't know. And we have taken all of our denominational experiences, positive and negative, all the things we've heard, maybe Billy Graham or another reverend or John Kelvin or John Wesley or, or uh, uh, Ravi Zacharias or Francis Chan and, and John Piper and all these incredible Christian leaders and we make what they say as the word of God. And that is a very dangerous thing to do. Because we need to start seeking the Holy Spirit for who he is and what the word of God says he is and what he will do. We need to get our noses out of other church business and get our nose in the word of God. We do. Guys, we live in a culture that is so polar opposite of the Bible. So churches now are trying to adapt the word of God to fit our culture. The word of God was never designed to fit a culture. The word of God was designed to structure a culture. Now we love, humbly love and accept every single person that doesn't agree with us or doesn't live that way, but that doesn't mean that the truth of God isn't the truth of God. So let's look at some truth. Because when we leave this place today and when you turn off YouTube from watching this, I promise you, you're not gonna have any excuse of not knowing what you don't know. Because we're gonna know just a little bit more about the Holy Spirit and what he wants to do in our lives and how he functions. And then next week, we're gonna take it a step further and look at the spiritual gifts 
Ooh, she's going to talk about tongues. Yeah, I'm going to talk about it today too. So buckle up, buttercup. Because the word of God talks about it and it's part of his design. And the devil is robbing so many believers from being open to the things of the spirit because we don't know what we don't know. I'll be here all day. So let's look at a couple of scriptures here and, the, and then let's get awakened. So John 14 is our series scripture and Jesus is telling his followers, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Okay, how do I keep my commandments? Well, he'll tell you. I'll ask the father and he will give you another helper. You see, you cannot obey God's commandments without the helper helping you to obey. Why? Because you live in a world tainted with sin and you have a sin nature inside of you that always when you have the option, you will go that direction. And so we need a helper to stay on course. I, I feel like the Holy Spirit is just like, man, he's just taking me off course. But I just wanna say something real quick too. Many of you have a lot of questions about the Holy Spirit and about what he's doing. And I just, I wanna take you back to when Jesus started his ministry in the power of the Spirit, mind you. He went to flawed men and women. And how did he call his disciples? Do you remember Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And we just read that, and, oh, that's great. But what Jesus is saying here is he's saying, okay, you don't know anything of the kingdom. You know the Torah, you know the promises, you know the prophecies. Yeah, I'm the one that's gonna fulfill them all. But you don't know that yet. You've only seen the miracles and the things that I've done. But I want you to follow me. And in order to follow me, you need to drop where you're at and what you're doing now and follow me. He says, come and see. Come and see. And then I will show you my father. And in the process, you will also be made into a follower. So he's asking us, the Holy Spirit, right now, here and now, is saying those words that Jesus said. He's saying, follow me. Come and see. Bring your questions. Bring your doubts. Hello, all the disciples doubted. Most of them denied him. Most of them scattered. And yet they're the ones that built the church upon the rock that the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against. And all it took was come and see. Come ask questions and allow me to make you into the child I've designed you to be. So I encourage you today and throughout this to just come and see. Come and watch. And then start to give permission to the Holy Spirit to change you. Acts 1.8, Jesus says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, the Holy Spirit is present, not only to guide us into the knowledge of all truth and guide us to Jesus and draw us and convert us, make us new, the born again process. And not only does he seal us, 
but he empowers us to be his witnesses. It's like going to a gun show to show off your gun and not bring ammunition. <laughs> this is awesome. This is great. Yeah, but can it shoot? Well, sure it can. Yeah, I mean, 50 yards, no problem. Show me. Hello. In order to be the witnesses of Jesus, you need the Holy Spirit that raised him from the dead to be in you, filling you, and overflowing in and over you. So, Acts 2, verses 1 through 7. If you have your Bibles, could you turn to Acts 2, please? Acts 2. Acts 2. You have your phones? Go ahead and do that. We're going to be in Acts 2 for most of our time. Acts 2. So we always talk about Pentecost. We talk about the upper room. We talk about the Holy Spirit coming. We need to look at the word. What does it say? What happened? And what does God still want to happen with everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord? So I love the title in the New Living Translation. It says, the Holy Spirit comes. The Holy Spirit comes. I wanna tell you something. The church of Jesus Christ was conceived by the work in the person of Jesus Christ. You follow? We were conceived only because of grace and what Jesus did, he was crucified for the penalty and the judgment of our sin. So the only way that we can be conceived in the womb of heaven, shall we say, for salvation is through Jesus Christ. So the church is conceived because of grace through Jesus. But the church is birthed. The church is delivered through the power and the coming of the Holy Spirit. The first cry you hear when a baby is spanked yeah, the Holy Spirit comes in that way and bursts the church. We're conceived and we're saved and sealed by the work of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit's all a part of that. But the church is then birthed. The church is then birthed through the power of the Holy Spirit coming upon you and his people. And thirdly, so number one, church is conceived with the knowledge and the reception, the belief of Jesus Christ. Secondly, it's birth through the power of the Holy Spirit coming upon those who are saved. And number three, it, the church is built upon people who seek the face of God, who are willing to be still and know that he is God, are willing to wait, to drop everything and wait in order to be obedient. You see, the church that Jesus said he was gonna build upon the rock and the gates of hell would not prevail against it was built upon obedience. It was birthed by the power of the Holy Spirit. It was conceived through the work and the person of Jesus. But it's built upon our obedience to seek and surrender to the Holy Spirit. That's the church. Now let's read. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. They say about 120 in one room. That would be, a, they didn't have AC back then either. 
Suddenly, say suddenly. This is gonna be participatory, by the way, so get ready. There was a sound from heaven like a roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled, say filled. It filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames of tongues of fire, say fire, filled, or excuse me, fired, appeared and settled on each one of them. And everyone present was filled, say filled, with the Holy Spirit, say Holy Spirit, and they began in speaking in other languages. Say other languages. Other languages. I knew that was going to happen. Other languages. Uh-oh, he's getting there. He's talking about, yeah, it's right here. As the Holy Spirit, say Holy Spirit, gave them the ability. Say ability. The Holy Spirit is in this, orchestrating this, and bringing birth to the church through the power of the Holy Spirit. He is placing the engine in what we know as the church, which is you and me, anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ is saved. The engine of God is placed within each of us. The Bible says we are temples where his presence resides and dwells. So what about this language stuff? I'm glad you asked. Because these other languages and these tongues in some churches are prohibited of being spoken about at all, okay? This issue of tongues given by the Spirit, and that is a key word, by the way, is purposed and was orchestrated by God for the purpose of, say this with me, say, or repeat after me, unity. Unity, unity and clarity, say clarity. clarity. What? Hasn't been my experience. <laughs> Has it been yours? Well, then, we, then we need to get to the word of God and figure out what this is going on because it is here and it is available and God is using it. And God does do it, and it looks different in some settings than it does in others. And we see this significant purpose here, and we're gonna get deeper and deeper into this as we read. But I want you to understand that the church was conceived through Jesus, right? No one else you can be saved, you cannot be saved by works or anything else but Jesus. But the church is birthed by the Holy Spirit. And the church that we belong to, not this, the church with the big C, Christ, was born speaking in tongues. I'm just reading what I see in scripture. They were born, the church was born, the breath of the Holy Spirit came and gave them the ability to speak in another language. Now, we're gonna talk a little bit more about what this looks like, and there's, there's some different forms of it, and it looks differently, and there's even some policies or procedures in the New Testament that guard against confusion and chaos. But are you in awe with me? I mean, I was shocked when I understood that the purpose of tongues in Acts here and throughout all time is to bring unity and clarity of the gospel of Jesus. That's what it was used for. And that's still the purpose today. And I just, 
I, I just feel like we just skip over tongues or, or, or you tune me out or you cringe because of a negative experience. But we need to understand that if the Holy Spirit moved in such a primary way in the birth of the church and throughout where the Holy Spirit was so evident and all these different things and these signs and gifts came along with tongues and, and it changed the atmosphere of the world then don't you think we want to really get a glimpse of what the Holy Spirit has for us through this today? The church was conceived by receiving the person and works of Jesus. The church was birthed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Does he just come in tongues? No, he comes in other ways, and we'll look at that. But in Acts, this is how the Spirit birthed the church. Why? There's got to be a purpose. There is. Look what happens here. Um, verse 5. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem, and thousands upon thousands from the tribes of Israel all came to Jerusalem for this weekend of festivities. They're all here, and they all represent all different nations. You'll see the list of places that I, I just don't have time uh, to, to, to go through, nor do I want to pronounce them all. But all these people of different ethnicities, and they don't speak Greek, or they don't speak this, all different kinds of languages represented and the Holy Spirit's coming and wants everyone to know the message of Jesus. So how does he do it? He meets us right where we're at. The Holy Spirit speaks a language to you that you can understand. That's how much God loves us. That's how much he wants us to be a part of the kingdom and be an active participant on the game field. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running. It's just like it today. When you hear sirens and you see smoke and you hear activity and all that stuff, what do you do? You run towards it. You call someone who's close. What's going on? You listen to the news. You run towards it. This is exactly what's happening. And thousands of people are running towards this noise. This was a loud commotion. You get 120 people in one small room speaking in different languages and shouting and, and being consumed with the presence of God, that makes a noise. And they were completely amazed. They were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. Their own language, what were they hearing? the message of the gospel of Jesus. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speak in our own native language. How can this be? Here we are, the Parthians and the Medes, and you see all of these people. They're all different languages and heritages, and they, they're coming together, and they stood there amazed and perplexed. What could this mean, they asked each other. They were wondering, but others in the crowd, how many know whenever God's doing something? There are others in the crowd that are going to ridicule, mock, and disbelieve. And they did hear too. And they said, no, they're just drunk. That's all. Now, before you think that uh, disciples and uh, 
The 120 in there didn't drink, um, and it was just grape juice at the Lord's Supper. Just so you know, every Jew <laughs> drank wine. Water was filthy. They drank wine. Maybe I'm not saying every. I'm sorry. Most Jews, that's what they drank of that day, the Lord's Supper. All this stuff, Peter doesn't even deny it. <laughs> what does he say? He says, verse 14, listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, Make no mistake about this. These people aren't drunk. As some of you are assuming, nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. So he's not denying that they don't drink wine. What they're saying is something else has intoxicated us. Something else that's not a substance known to man has taken over. That's what he's saying. These people are not drunk, as some of you assume. Nine o'clock in the morning was much too early for that. Let me just say this. When someone is intoxicated with the presence of God through the power of the Holy Spirit, you will look different than those around you. And that's a good thing. People calling you weird because of how you live your life, empowered by the Holy Spirit, that is just a fruit that shows you you are connected with the Holy Spirit. Gone are the days where we as a church are going to be so careful and sensitive and dilute things and try not to act crazy so we don't offend somebody. I have some people come up to me and I don't know if it's a compliment or not and they say, it looks like you've had three cups of espresso this morning. I don't know what it is. Yes, I do drink coffee, but when I get up here, the power of God just moves through me and I just feel him speaking to the hearts and the lives of people. And I can't help but get passionate about people who are believing and who are saved in Jesus, but they're looking just like the world. You were never designed to look like the world because the Holy Spirit doesn't just want to indwell you. He wants to fill you to where you are intoxicated with his presence. And if that means you fall, then make sure when you get up, you're different than when you fell. If you tremble, make sure you're different when you stop trembling in his presence. If you feel so intoxicated in his presence, make sure that when you come to, that you have changed something about you, that he has changed something about you. We gotta stop resisting the Holy Spirit in fear of making someone uncomfortable. What they need is a little bit of uncomfortableness to get them out of their state of apathy and sleep. It's time, it's time, it's time to change. It's time to change. The only way we can change is through the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, when we are consumed and even controlled by the Holy Spirit, don't miss this. We will look different than other people around us and people will judge and make assumptions they may even say, they think you're drunk and a little cuckoo and need to see a doctor. They may say, I think they're a little bit ill. They, are not, they don't have all their sandwiches in their picnic basket. Or they may even go to say, I think they may have a demon in them. 
Being filled with the Spirit doesn't make an introverted person an extrovert. Stop thinking, introverts, that you need to be an extrovert to be filled with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes to you. He's wired you as an introvert. So he's going to make you Spirit-filled, operating in the fullness of the Spirit as an introvert. I have so many introverts, including my wife, sometimes will say, I don't express myself that way. Am I missing something? No, you're introverted. Extroverts just make it look special. I don't know. Can you be filled with the Holy Spirit and just sit overwhelmed by the presence of God? Absolutely. We went to an FC Cincinnati game last, this past week. Cincinnati, here we go. No, no, no FC fans? Y'all need to get saved. So I'm having fun with you. But we went to an FC Cincinnati game. And my wife, who's very introverted, when you get to know her, she's a little warmer and a little more expressive, but she likes to be by herself for most of it. And that's okay. That's how introverts a lot of times are wired. They fill their cups by getting away. Extroverts fill their cups by being present with others. There's nothing wrong with either one. So we're at an FC Cincinnati game and it was interesting because Lauren on our way home, she says, you know what? You had mentioned in one of your sermons and I stopped her, I said, wow, you listened to my sermon? That's awesome. (laughs) She said, you mentioned that, you know, we really should worship. If we wanna know how we worship and should worship, we should take an inventory of how we celebrate at games and sports and concerts and engagements and cornhole tournaments. And you know what? She said, Phil, I'm the same at EC, uh, FC Cincinnati as I am at ECC. This, I don't raise my hands. I don't clap. I just smile and take it all in. And here me and Joseph are going, yeah! <laughs> and I do that on Sunday mornings. So we need to stay true to who we are because the Holy Spirit made us that way. But he wants to fill us and overwhelm us and take over. And sometimes that is for an introvert to go running around or just to, in, in the privacy of your home, dance like you've never danced before the Lord before. I don't know. But don't put the Holy Spirit in a box. Just stop it. <laughs> I love you. Being filled with the Spirit. Being filled with the Holy Spirit means that you are dripping wet with his presence and you are fully operating in how he designed you. Being filled with the Holy Spirit, friends, is when you walk into the room, something changes. When you walk into the room, people look. Wanna know if you're operating in the Holy Spirit? This week, go and talk to one of your unbelieving non-church-going friends. And say, my, my, my crazy weird pastor told me to do this. Do you see anything in me that's different than the world around us? Do I act differently? Um, what about my language? What do you notice? 
in my life? Is there confusion when I'm around? Is there anger? Do I argue and bicker? Am I arrogant? Ask them. They'll tell you if you're filled with the Spirit or not. The Spirit not only resides in you and dwells in you, but you have given it complete access to overwhelm you and come upon you. You will be different. And that's the whole point. Because when you're different, you make a loud noise in the spiritual realm and everyone comes to hear and see what that noise is. And then will you be ready, like Peter, to give an account on what God is doing? By the way, he goes on and on and on to talk about the prophecy in Joel where God's spirit is gonna be poured out on men and women. That's part of the last day's prophecy. So just so you know, did I say this in first or second service? I can't remember. Um, but do you, you do know our time is short. Prophecies, did I sh- share that? Prophecies, are, most prophecies are being fulfilled. Sorry, two services really messed me up. Joel's prophecies are the end prophecies. There are some things that we haven't seen yet, but what we have seen is the spirit of God being poured out on all men and women chosen by God, called by God. So we are in the last of the last days, friends. Signs are coming. They're still yet to be done and fulfilled, but it's here. So very important. So you don't tune me out. I just wanna cover three quick points with you. Three quick points. And I wanna give you scriptures. And I even encourage you, encourage you as a brother, I'm a person that likes to write notes because it helps me retain. Get out your phone, I'm not gonna think you're texting. Get out your phone, go to your notes app or go to your Google Word docs. Start writing some notes down. Take snapshots of the, the, uh, the screen or just download the message or watch it on YouTube again because this, I promise, these three points are going to, alter the way you live in regards to the Holy Spirit. And the three points are this. Will you seek the Holy Spirit with all your heart? Number two, will you search the word of God as much as you can until you land and find solid ground and solid truth of the person of the Holy Spirit, his function and his purpose for your life in the church? And number three, will you surrender to the work and the person of the Holy Spirit? Will you seek him with all your heart is point number one. Colossians 3, one through four says, if we've then been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand. Set your minds on the things that are above. You cannot set your mind on the things that are above without the Holy Spirit doing that for you but you have to give him permission and you have to seek it. Not on the things that are on the earth for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Matthew 6, says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, meaning right standing with God, which comes through Jesus Christ, which is revealed to you through the Holy Spirit. Seek first his kingdom and the right standing that you have because of Jesus in God. And everything else that you worry about, that you're consumed about, that just keep you up at night and wake you up in the morning, all those will be taken care of as you seek 
first the kingdom. Look at Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 through 11. He says this, ask questions. Ask. Ask God to show you. Ask the right questions and it will be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be opened to you for everyone who asks, receives. Well, how can I trust God? Well, it's his promise. And his word says his promises will never return empty. For everyone who asks, receives, and the one who seeks, finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Or which one of you, if your son asks you for bread, will you give him a stone? Or if your daughter asks for a fish, will you give her a snake or a serpent? If you then who are evil because you live in the world and you're stained with sin, know how to give your children good gifts, then how much more will your father in heaven give good things to those who ask? We need to learn to seek by asking God. Let me ask you this. What is it you, what is it you seek in your life most? What do you put the highest value and the highest importance on in your life. Because here is a truth that God downloaded in me this week. And it's this, what you seek most in life, what you make the highest priority, what you determine that you are going to seek with every breath you have, it is that in which you will find. Don't believe me? Just take an inventory of your last month. Look at your schedule. Look at your emotional energy. Look at your investment. Look at your finances. What are you seeking? Because it is that in which you will find. And so God's saying, if you wanna find me, you will seek me. Are we seeking the gifts of the spirit or are we seeking the giver of the Holy Spirit? I'm gonna say that again. Are we seeking the gifts whether positive or negative. Churches get hung up on the spiritual gifts, whether it's tongues, prophecy, or healing, or whatnot. And God's saying, hello, you're getting confused. You're getting lost in the trees. It's the giver that we should be consumed about, not the gifts. The gifts aren't for us anyways, they're for the building of the church through the gospel of Jesus. They're to edify and build up one another. Anyone who is trying to use the spiritual gift to get attention is operating in the wrong spirit. But we shouldn't take those experiences and throw everything out in the bathwater because someone was either unknowing, didn't know what they don't know, were consumed with self, what Jesus paid for on the cross anyways, or we're just misled by the things of this world. We need to seek first the giver and then the gifts come. Are you seeking the fruit of the spirit or are you, speaking the, or, or, or are you seeking the Holy Spirit that produces the fruit? Jesus says, you will know the tree by its fruit, but the fruit doesn't determine the tree. It identifies what tree it is. What determines the tree is the roots in the ground. The roots then dictate 
what flows through the tree. And then the tree and the DNA and the makeup of the tree produce that specific type of fruit. So when you wanna know what uh, what tree it is, you look at the fruit. But God is saying, instead of seeking the fruit, how about seek the root, which is the Holy Spirit? Seek the root, seek God first. Jeremiah 29, 11. We love to quote it. We love to put it on t-shirts. We love to put it on knickknacks in our house. For I know the plans I have for you. I'm not making fun of this verse. This is a promise of God, but we take it out of context. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. That is God's promise, but we forget what's next. It says, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. It's not about his plans for your life. It's about your heart in his hands. It's not the plans for your life that come from his hand that that he wants. It's the heart that you put in his hands. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with everything you have. That is a promise given by God that you can take to him any day you want. Pastor Derek, last week, he talked about reminding God of his promises. But we need to do our part in seeking him with all that we have. Number two. We're not only gonna seek God with everything, we're gonna search the word of God. And I just wanna just make a few statements here. Guys, we need to get rid of, here I go. We need to get rid of doctrine idolatry. We need to lay it at the altar. What do you mean by that? What I mean by that is we have a world that's filled with the wealth of doctrine by men and good intentions some in the spirit of God, some in the spirit of the world, have taken their observations, their understanding and study of the scripture. And they have put a line in the sand and basically said, this is what it means. And we believe it hook, line and sinker. A lot of it that we have been taught has been by well-intended individuals. We listen to a lot of podcasts, whether you listen to Billy Graham whether you listen to Ravi Zacharias, whether you listen to uh, um, John Piper or Matt Chandler or uh, uh, Todd Smith or whoever it is, we need to seek the word for truth and not seek man's opinion. You see, churches are adapting to our culture because we don't wanna offend anybody anymore, so we adapt our theology to make everyone feel accepted and not offended. We can't do that. Truth is truth, whether you like it or agree with it or not, it's truth. And so friends, we gotta test our doctrine. I'm challenging myself and I have seen a life change in me. I'm bold enough to tell you this, ask ask my staff. Michael, come here. 
I've never done this before. Michael, have you seen a difference in me the last year? A lot. How so? Um, I've seen you grow as far as not just knowledge, but I've seen you grow spiritually. I've seen your connection with God. Um, I've seen the way that you lead us. Um, It's different. Um, You've grown like personally, like with your relationships, like all of us, I'm seeing a lot of growth. As far as moments of tension and conflict, have you seen a... (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen a change? Absolutely. Yeah, I keep my mouth shut, don't I? <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Michael. Um, I only do that. I only do that to tell you that the Holy Spirit is making a difference in my life because I'm seeking him and I'm searching what the word says. And I'm adapting my life to the word. And I'm, st- I'm just stopping to to adapt it and make it feel better with things that I can understand. And we need to be willing to go that distance to allow the Holy Spirit to change us to where we can ask people who are closest to us, do you see a change? Because if they don't, that means the fruit's not happening. And if the fruit's not growing and happening, then we need to take an inner look to where we're rooted. Not saying we're perfect. Believe me, Michael, I didn't ask Michael what was wrong with me. He would tell you. But we need to test doctrine because Jesus, when we stand before Jesus, God Almighty, he's not gonna ask us what doctrine we stand with. Do you believe in eternal salvation or do you believe you can lose your salvation, son? Do you believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit or do you believe that you're just uh, indwelled and once filled, always filled? No, he's gonna say, do you know me? Do you love me? Were you consumed with the things of me while you were living here? Were you pressing in and seeking my face? And oh, by the way, have you received the blood that my son shed for you? And I say, thank you, Father, for the Holy Spirit. Because without the Holy Spirit, I would have never known that Jesus died for me. I would have never have experienced the life, the birth of this temple that the Holy Spirit breathed into. Will you seek the Holy Spirit this week? Will you search the scripture in whole new eyes? I challenge you just... Strip away all denominational stuff, everything that you've heard, every commentary and all that stuff. Just look at it with fresh eyes empowered by the Holy Spirit. Number three, will you surrender? Will you yield? Band, you can come on up. Will you yield to what the Spirit is doing? You know, I've been working with uh, or just relating with our prayer ministry team and, and a team that is really... Uh, training and, and, and uh, going to be a huge uh, influence and impact at this August 2nd. And we have been processing this and processing this. And well, this is what, what I believed and this is what I saw and this was the negative and this was the positive and this is this and this is that, da, 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 da. And then finally, it was just, you know what? This is all great. But it's all about, are you yielding? 
to the Holy Spirit. There's a time in life where you just need to stop asking questions and step into a season of experience. See what I'm saying? My son is so scared of football right now. He's trying to, he is scared of this dude, this tall dude. I can't believe he's seven. I think he's lying. And he doesn't want to play football. It's because he's so scared of getting hurt by this dude. And I said, son, you need to get tackled because you need to experience it that when you get tackled, you can get right back up. You see, you need to experience it. But you can't experience Holy Spirit if you don't surrender to him and give him permission. Yield to the Spirit. Galatians 5, 16 says, keep in step with the Spirit. Walk with the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Abide in the Spirit. Jesus says, remain in me. How do we do that here on earth? Remain in the Holy Spirit. And I want to leave you with one last quote from Smith Wigglesworth. An evangelist, several hundred years ago, I believe, someone can correct me on that. Farther? Older? This man experienced so much of the Holy Spirit in his ministry and just saw the Holy Spirit change lives. He says this, we must be careful not to choose but to let God's Holy Spirit manage our lives. Stop choosing where the Holy Spirit can move in your life or not. Give permission and then let go. That's why, you know what? Many of you in August 2nd, when you get in the waters, you're gonna die to yourself. The church needs not just a washing, we need to start dying to our ways. but to let God's spirit move and manage our lives. Not to smooth down and explain away that we do so well, but to stir up the gift and allow God's spirit to disturb us and disturb us and disturb us until we yield and yield and yield and the possibility in God's mind for us to become an established fact in our lives with the rivers in evidence meeting the need of a dying world. And so today, as we respond in worship, I want you to know the altar's open. If you want to come and die in order to be resurrected in the spirit of God, if you wanna come and just ask God to meet you where you're at. My prayer is that this altar would be filled with people who are hungry to be the difference that this world needs. We're gonna offer prayer as well on the sides, but after service, don't just leave quickly. If you need prayer, let us pray for you. We need each other. That, that's the body. But we need to respond. I ask you, are you going to seek the Holy Spirit with all you have this week? That's your choice. He's there. He wants to lead you. He has to guide you, but wants to guide you, but you have to follow. <laughs> Will you search the word for yourself?
of where you see the Holy Spirit moving and purposed for the church? And will you surrender your life and give permission to the Holy Spirit to have all of you? This is your time and his time. Make this moment count. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. If you'd like to go deeper with another resource from our church, please check out our weekly impact Bible study podcast as well. Both of our podcasts are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.